Hi, my name is Mark Fontaine and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Service Design Show. I'm really excited to share another podcast exclusive episode with you. In this episode, we're going to discuss the intersection between circular and service design. I bet a few people would be against a more sustainable lens on their design practice, but often in reality, it seems very challenging to do so. Service design is already complex as it is right now. Won't bringing in a new design dimension make it even more complex? Well, the guests in this episode argue that it doesn't. Bavi Patel and Hayden Erickson hosted the recent Circle Community session where we explored this topic. As you'll hear, both of them have a deep personal passion for this topic. Amongst many other things in this episode, you'll hear about how do you get business people to care about sustainability? Why you as a service design professional are in a great position to put this topic on the agenda and when does sustainability just become part of doing good service design? Now, if you're wondering what the Circle community actually is, let me quickly get you up to speed. The Circle is a community for in-house service design professionals that is focused on sharing best practices with each other and making meaningful connections with like-minded peers. When you are a service design professional inside an organization, you're often one of the few, if not the only person who gets the benefits of service design. And when that's the case, where do you go when you want to deepen your craft or when you want to bounce off some ideas or maybe when you just want to vent about how things are done? Well, that's what the circle is for. Every month we get together and host a session about the relevant topic brought forward by one of the members from the community. The topics range from sharing best practices about how to scale service design internally, how to measure services, and how to create ecosystems of journey maps, or the topic we recently addressed about the intersection between circular and service design. Now, if you'd like to actively participate in these conversations, rather than just listening to the summary on this podcast, head over to servicedesignshow.com slash circle and see if you'd qualify to become a member. So that's servicedesignshow.com slash circle You'll also find the link in the show notes of this episode. That almost wraps it up for the intro. The only thing left for me to say is let the show begin. Welcome back to the show, Bobby and Hayden. Thank you. It's good to be back. And I'm saying uh, welcome back because Hayden, you've been on the show before. Bobby, you haven't been on the show before, right? Nope. This is my first time. Oh, congratulations to your service design show debut. <laughs> uh, and I had to look it up, Hayden. It was Circle episode 11 uh, where you were uh, also mm-hmm. featured on. So it's nice to have you back. Um, as always, back. I like to, yeah, I like to start with uh, introductions uh, for new listeners who haven't uh, heard episode 11 or haven't Googled Bavi yet. Uh, let's start uh, with you, Bavi. Could you give a brief introduction about of who you are, what you do these days, and maybe what your passions are? But we'll get into that in a second, I'm sure. Yeah, um, I am a service designer. Um, I don't know. I love it. Like I love all things service design. I love human-centered design. I also teach a design methods at Santa Monica College, so pretty obsessed with design these days. Oh, uh, thank you. Hayden, uh, did anything change in your role uh, in the last five, six months? 
did actually. We uh, we are now under the strategic arm of kind of NCR, the um, customer experience and strategy team. So it's a great home for us, um, kind of scaling what we're doing with journeys and jan- journey management and stuff. So, but my title is still the same, which is just a service designer, and I'm oh. happy to be here. <laughs> cool. Um, let's jump into the topic of this episode and uh bobby you proposed it and then it became a sort of uh two men woman show which i always uh like and you proposed a topic that is um maybe less common in in, in the conversations that we're having in the circle which is uh i think good because it broadens our perspectives and it increases serendipitous learning and you sort of uh, get inspired by things you otherwise wouldn't have it heard. You suggested that we discuss the topic of service circular to service design or service to circular design and and with circular we mean circular economy. Um, Bobby, why did you pick that topic out of all the things that you could have picked? Yeah, no, uh, thanks, Mark. I picked it because as I was reflecting on the things that I do, like I had mentioned, I love service design. I love what we do. But as I was thinking about it, I I realized that I have been spending time pushing society forward, economy forward, but I've completely neglected, you know, the environmental piece. And I, I, I just can't anymore. And so I thought, you know, it'd be a really good time to just surface it and see where we go. And, and okay, and Hayden, how did you get connected to <laughs> to this topic? Yeah, I uh, well, I think you had made the connection to Bobby because I had mentioned that my thesis was on this when I studied industrial design, um, and I've been very interested in this throughout my whole life in different ways and flavors. Uh, a lot of professional experience in this, doing policy and planning and sort those sorts of things, and then um, trying to do that too with service design and NCR. And so it just it was too perfect not to not to be involved. And it was such an honor um, helping you, Bobby, with this. So when you mentioned uh, your thesis, what was your, what is your background, uh, Hayden? (laughs) It's very strange and circuitous, but I guess I expect no less of a service designer, right? I feel like we all have really interesting backgrounds. Um, So what I was referencing in particular, I worked for the city of Austin Office of Sustainability in Austin, Texas. Um, I've worked for a computer recycler, refurbishers. I've um, done two city planning or kind of landscape architecture type offices, but that engage in public interest design. Um, so all of that kind of brought me to industrial design. And then when I was there, I developed a passion for sustainable design within my program. And that was my focus in my master's project. Mm, awesome. I like those journeys. Uh, so similar question to you, Bavi. Like, uh, how did you arrive here? So... Uh, Framing it as in, you mentioned that you're already passionate about service design. Um, how does your background connect service design to the topic of sustainability or circular design? Yeah, actually, Hayden and I uh, were talking about this. So my first love actually was in environmental design. Um, we both uh, were in Austin different times, but I went to architecture school. And when I was in architecture school, I kept trying to integrate, you know, where the sun hit the window to naturally warm it up or, you know, jasmine was planted here. So the wind would naturally blow so you could smell it this way. So I was constantly since I can remember always trying to leverage uh, environmental factors and just the environment into design. And as I was thinking about it, it's always been my first love. And so um, 
that's it. That's it. I, I love it. Um, I've always tried to figure out how to incorporate it. And now I think it's just time to focus on it a little bit more and see how we can incorporate it a little bit more in service design. I want to add a note because I want to give Bobby some credit. She basically invented Nest in her architecture program before <laughs> Nest existed and no one no one saw the value. And I just think that's so funny. You, you've just been so ahead of the curve here. The, um, the, Nest, so, ther the anyway. Nest thermostat. Yeah, um, exactly. I have one at home. So it's nice to know that uh, that the idea was already out there. Yeah. It so, was actually yeah. an inner, sorry, Mark, but it was actually, uh, that was architecture school, but then I started studying interaction design and, you know, service mm. design, and we had to do a thermostat design, and I had <laughs> designed something where you mix the colors to change the temperature, but also had an energy CO2 section to it where a plant would, you know, balance out the I don't know, CO2 levels in this room or that. So always trying to squeeze in, um, how do we use the environment to solve some creative problems? Now, uh, Bob, you already mentioned something about uh, connecting that to service design or bringing that more into service design. Why service design? Like service design uh, is already so complex and so holistic, uh, so chaotic sometimes. Uh, are we going to introduce something new that's going to make it even more holistic and chaotic? I, you know what, that's kind of something that we talked about a little bit in our circle session. But as I was thinking about it, service design or as designers, we're constantly zooming in and zooming out. We're reflecting in, on, out, it's just part of our makeup, right? And so as we, as I was thinking about this, it's less about like, oh no, here's just yet another thing to add to our plate that people won't understand, et cetera, et cetera. But as we were in the circle session, uh, it was pretty beautiful to see the impact of just surfacing this conversation uh, with a with a set of designers around the world and see how quickly we incorporated, uh, you know, sustainability in our current jobs, in our current day to day. Um, just, it was just really neat to see how, how quickly we moved as designers. And so to answer your question, I think service designers actually are pretty ripe to take something like sustainability and, not make a big fuss about it, but just start integrating it and then making change in a beautiful, uh, in a beautiful, like non-intrusive way, in my opinion. Hmm. So following up on that, Bobby, one more question is, uh, you say service designers are ripe to integrate this into work. What makes you feel that, uh, that that's the case? Why are you so, uh, uh, hopeful about it? Well, I was I was talking to Hayden about it the other day. And, you know, as a service designer, I have actually worked with uh, a major league baseball team, a car company, insurance, I've redesigned a level one trauma center, um, breast pumps, like I have just been all across the board. And it's been so much fun and empowering to be able to design in any space and have the freedom to do that. Because of our design process, you know, our tools, things like that. Um, I think we're ripe for it because we're already doing it. And so if we were to, what would it look like if we were able to focus our energy on something like 
I don't know, uh, sustainability. It would be pretty beautiful in my opinion to see what we could do because we already work across the board. We already deal with so much complexity, like service design, you can't teach it. When it comes to sustainability, my brain automatically goes to manufacturing and materials and waste and stuff. What, how on earth does service design even relate to something like, I don't know, manufacturing and waste and stuff. But yeah, I think to answer your question, Mark, um, we're ripe for it because we're already dealing with pretty ill-defined, wicked, problems to solve. Um, I think this is just another space for us to kind of dig into. So um, Hayden, over to you. The question that I have right now is how, um, how would you describe where we are today as a field, as a community with regards to this topic? How aware is the service design professional of sustainability and how are they integrating this in their practice? I think awareness at a high level is there. Uh, I was looking at my some of my responses from my my project. It was with industrial designers, mind you, but there was a lot. Everyone said at least it was important in some way. This sustainable, this this opportunity of sustainability. Um, more personally, so I think that with service design, it's similar. I, I've spoken with a lot of service designers. Perhaps this is anecdotal of me to say, but I feel like there's a passion there and an interest. And like Bobby said, the our our lens is so appropriate for this. Um, and another quote, sorry to dive a little bit, but, um, you know, this was a high ranking industrial designer and, and he admitted that, that his biggest challenge was having the collaborative discussion about this to get everyone on the same page to co-create in essence, which as we know is a principle of service design. That's our bread and butter to, to hold these spaces and to enable these conversations. And I think that I, it's like, I see all the pieces there and there's a lot of want and desire, um, so that's, that's been really cool. And I believe that's true with service design and with our cohort in the circle, certainly everyone said that it was interesting as well. To your question about how they're doing it, that was a little harder. I think this is still very much a frontier. Um, we are, for instance, adding a swim lane to journeys, for instance, to get people to think about impact along the along the steps, be it energy or social impacts. Uh, you know, it's, there is a triple bottom line. I think for the purposes of this conversation, we will mostly focus on the environment, just to be clear. But um, I think there's a lot there. We've used green business model canvases too. That's a really cool, uh, um, cool artifact. And I know that actually there's a lot of really interesting work happening in the Netherlands. I, Kos, Kos, I'm bad yep. with pronunciation, but they, they, they've been rocking it, uh, and, and showing really cool stuff at, um, service design network conference. And yeah, it, it's just cool because we're, we're not receiving this, um, this collect this body of knowledge from you know generations past. We're making it. We're this is our opportunity too, which is so exciting about being in this field right now, and having this as a focus. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. And when you say it's our opportunity, uh, that is maybe also a responsibility. And in that sense, I'm curious, what do you feel is at stake uh, if it's on us? Mm. Uh, well, I'm thinking about a lot of different things. Uh, I think. As an individual designer, you could probably burn yourself out pretty quick. That's at stake. Like if you if you think that the world is on your shoulders and that you get so overwhelmed by this issue, I think that's where relying on a community is really valuable to, to work with people, not just be an island to, to help them. Um, so there's a lot of ways that I think service design can help you individually, um, but that's one one fear. And then of course, you know, macro. Obviously, I think we all 
we all care intrinsically about the environment. Um, but what's cool uh, is this is a business imperative too. And I think sustainability is like the innovation frontier of the 21st century. And if you don't get on that train, you're going to be lost. And so if we care about doing good, we can do well as well. Uh, and I think that I was talking to Bobby, for instance, in America now, we have a big North Star in the form of all of these carrots that came from some of our recent legislation, talking about uh, electric vehicles and sustainable infrastructure. And I, I believe that will continue. And obviously, our peers globally have regulations to answer. People want to do, they just don't know how. And I think that's that's a great, that's part of the opportunity to me. Um, and you could lose a lot. It's not just the environment. You could lose your competitive edge. You can lose, uh, yeah, you could lose a lot by not engaging in this. Well, we'll get to uh, the how in a second. I'm curious if, uh, Bobby, you have anything to add. What do you feel is at stake from your perspective? I think that like, um, absolutely what Hayden said, there's something inspiring about it, but what's at stake is, I feel like there's just a sentiment of if we don't start including this in business in the way that we work, um, I don't know. I think the earth will do whatever it is it will do. Um, however, why not? Like, why not try to make efforts and um, include this into our day to day and just be a little bit more mindful? Um, what stake is just like he said burning out like being you know not having a voice this is really a passion to be honest with you this is like just kind of i'm uncovering a passion of mine and so now it's time to just bring it up and yeah what's at stake is is just you know business as usual why not why not be better if we have the opportunity so i think we've set the stage pretty well so far and uh hayden already mentioned a few uh steps we can practically take to get there or tools frameworks that could help us uh, i'll start with you bobby i'm curious like um what comes to your mind or what have you seen examples stories uh of things that can help us to get there and with there i'm maybe referring to sustainable service design as you framed it which i love as a term by the way um yeah this might be a super simple answer to your question mark but i think simplicity is key here um i loved in the circle session how you know i did a little bit of homework where i explain what circular economy was or circular design and what are some principles and things like that but when we created a space just to talk about it like the beautiful thing was already we had one participant talk about how he's going to start, you know, reading the ESG, like bringing that into his day to day. I'm doing the same thing. I literally read it every morning now. What's ESG? Um, it's just a newsletter. It's for the environment, and you get you get uh, you get the news about who's doing what. Um, what are like what business acquired this? The Patagonia did this, you know, Mackenzie did this. And so it's a really, really good newsletter to just kind of keep a pulse of what's going on in the economy, in the world when it comes to the environment and stuff. So there's just really amazing, simple ways, like for that, like example, um, you know, by reading that you can kind of get aware and just kind of stay on top of it um, in terms and then from there, I, I changed my design class uh, to start including sustainability in the topic. So now our next generation of designers are, you know, learning how to design 
through that lens and working on projects like that. Um, so I think to answer your question mark, simplicity is key. Uh, and, you know, just having the conversation and creating the space. Has I, been I, helpful. yeah. I, I've always understood that achieving simplicity as like the most hard, the, the hardest thing you can do. Can you can you elaborate a bit more about you on uh, keeping it simple and simplicity? What do you mean? What what should we well, be on the lookout for? Well, I am it, okay. Confession: it's it's part of my lens. It's like I do not want to get overwhelmed in all the noise and the politics that exists around uh, this topic. And so on purpose, I am keeping it simple in the way I talk about it, inclusive. Like when I talk to you about it, Mark, I'm like, this is our home. <laughs> it's not like I'm a tree hugger. I, I, we all live here. Uh, why not, you know, open this discussion up to everyone and, and, and just keep it simple. You know, um, like I said, instead of getting in like overthinking like taking courses doing all this stuff i am just going to volunteer with people that are already like building sustainable homes or have you know permaculture farms and stuff just so i can learn and have fun with it you know and so i think when i think about simplicity at least in the awareness side is just including everybody in the conversation not singling anyone out and just creating space for that and then you know, giving them the tools on how, um, I think as designers, we're so used to dealing with complex situations, explaining things in a more pedestrian human way, um, really taking complex information and simplifying it. And so when I say simplicity, I think part of it is just me trying to keep it simple. And then also, uh, taking complexity and, and teaching people, um, how to integrate this. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. Thank you for, for sharing uh, that appendix. Uh, Hayden, uh, you already mentioned uh, the green business campus, and I think you mentioned an, a different tool. Uh, what would you like to add to this uh, with regards to the question, how do we get there? I think, for t you know, we love tools and frameworks, and, and that's, um, that's kind of our bread and butter too. Certainly a journey is, I'm using journeys all the time. I think taking a step back though, like you have to create momentum first. And my big learning in, in my interviews for my master's project was that um, you just, you got to frame it in the way that resonates with this incumbent stakeholders of power, I guess mm -hmm. is maybe one way of putting it right. So like my thesis is in two paths because the first half I went down the normal path about let's just make the world a better place. And I'm going to make another tool to help designers design. And then everyone told me loud and clear, this is the wrong problem. Um, and I'm going to read a quote here. A business can't be sustainable if it's not in business. Selling sustainability on virtue often doesn't work. It should instead be sold on the nuts and bolts of strategic benefits, not because it's the right thing to do. I'm a, I get a little, you know, I, I care about the earth. I'm, I'm, a, I'm an Eagle Scout. Like I love being outside. I love nature. But this was a big learning for me. Like if I need to get, if we need to get through to people and make change, like you got, you, you gotta, you gotta change your story. Like Bobby said, we're storytellers and it's not that I got to stuff what I care about, but instead of saying you should care about this because you know, the rainforest is going to go away. Maybe I should instead say you should care about this because your supply chain is going to get disrupted or because regulations are coming that you're going to have to deal with, or you're going to lose in the market. Or, you know, there's a whole bunch of ways that you can frame it 
to make it make sense. And to me, when you said, how do you start? Like, how do you get there? That's it. Find those low hanging fruits, the quick wins that resonate with kind of the C-suite, the business stakeholders. And then congratulations, you've started walk, you've started crawling and then you can walk and then you can run, but you got to start, you got to think about the maturity of where you are organizationally. What, what is your capacity for sustainable action right now? You could even take a stealth approach, by the way, which is something that a lot of designers told me, like Bobby said, don't even, don't even say this is sustainable design. Just say, this is our design. And you could say, by the way, we saved 20,000 bucks on manufacturing next year. It's because we saved a bunch of water uh, or whatever, but you don't need to dwell on that. You, you make the business, business value evident and the rest will follow is what I heard loud and clear from uh, my interviewees and survey respondents. It's really interesting that you mentioned this because this is exactly what I preach when people ask me how to get uh, their business stakeholders excited about service design. Like I say, don't tell mm. them about service design. Talk about yep. the problems that they are having. Uh, understand what their agenda is. And, and the funny fact is yep. that we're actually really good at that. Like empathizing with the people around us should be a pretty common skill to most uh, of the people who are listening to these episodes. And um, yeah, it makes sense that uh, if you want to uh, integrate sustainability and being more environmentally oriented in your practice, uh, like just do it. Like You don't have to make a big fuss out of it. Um, Bavi, anything you wanted to add to what, uh, to what Hayden just said? No, I, um, I'm on the same page as you guys, but I feel like I am walking a line. It's like on one minute, I'm just like, just do it. We don't need to make a big fuss about it. The next minute I'm like, well, where I'm at right now, um, when it comes to awareness, like this is important. So I do want to bring it up. I think it's maybe just thinking about like who your audience is. Right. And so this I'm among friends right now. So this is important. We can share and things like that. If you're in business, you know, when we're talking about innovation and stuff, depending on who the leader is, depending on the audience, it could be a tool that helps you connect with a company or organization that is, you know, a little bit more innovative or it could, or you kind of play it a little bit down when it comes to more conservative companies that are looking at profitability and stuff. And we leverage, you know, sustainability as a, a tool to problem solve, right? If profitability is something that we're trying to solve for, there you go. Like Hayden said, wow, we just, we just saved like, you know, this amount of dollars and we saved water, but you know, here you go, you know? So mm. anyways, same page, but I'm walking both lines depending on the audience. And if I may, that that becomes self-reinforcing. So this organization may have blindly walked into huge resource savings next year, the year after. Uh, this is a bit of a detail. You know, there's a lot of cynicism in my surveys as well about kind of marketing is often where this ends up, and it's a checkbox at the very end of a design process. Like, oh, by the way, you know, what what did you make it out of bamboo, or like, what can I put on the on this on the sexy graphic to sell this? But when you actually do it at the beginning and really uh, impact the design, then they have a lot to work with and you start creating this identity that then reinforces itself consumers and your customers start expecting it they start celebrating you for it it gives you kind of permission to keep going deeper and i, I think that's the cool part is like you're, you're starting a, a a reinforcing system um hopefully when you do this so it's a there's a lot of opportunity yeah and the, the i guess i guess it's a uh yeah like you said the self-fulfilling prophecy a self-reinforcing system but it's also the catch-22 like to get uh to to include it at the start you have yeah. to have somebody who 
is committed, uh, who has power, who has a vision, uh, right? And that's not always the case. If you do have that person, then by all means, go for it. Um, I have one more thing to add to that, Mark. Um, it's a little bit sneaky, but uh, I think that we do this as designers. Sometimes I'm having to validate or test through research, you know, if a customer wants this or that. So as designers, since we are maybe using that as a lens, uh, you know, validating the idea of, do you care about water or this or that and stuff? And then all of a sudden you're able to leverage some of our tools as designers or researchers to bring it to the table and say, Hey, uh, you know, 80% of our blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, uh, yeah. Um, you, you bring up an interesting point because, uh, this no, last week I recorded in a, a different episode for the service design show. It was about a different topic. It was about uh, equality and inclusiveness in design. And we sort of ended up with the ultimate question uh, that you can ask yourself um, as a service design professional is, is this good design? And then sort of the umbrella of good design can contain a lot of things, but it gives you a sort of a frame of reference and a benchmark where you can put in a lot of things that are important. And I can also imagine that at, at the start and at the end and halfway through your project, you can always ask like, am I doing good design? And, it, and, and you can ask this question to your stakeholders, to your organization, are we doing good design? And then um, I think it, if people care about that uh, as, it, as they have hopefully recognized that it contributes to their business goals, it becomes much easier to incorporate like all sort of sub branches of what you want to do as good design. And for instance, being uh, sort of positive towards the environment could definitely be one of those things. Absolutely. So um, Hayden, uh, over to you again. I'm curious, uh, was there anything uh, that stuck with you from the conversation we had in the circle? So. Yes, when people think about sustainability, perhaps your our audience here has thought this very thing when listening to us. It's a big, hairy, wicked problem, and it's monolithic, and it's almost indescribable sometimes to wrap your head around and all this. And I think people approach it that way without maybe internalizing like, oh, I'm, I'm in a building company. Sustainability means something for me that isn't just about what I hear in the public, or, or I work for an insurance company like Bobby or a technology company or a web platform or a furniture company. And so I think my biggest takeaway was some of the light bulbs that started to go off where people, I think, stood back and saw the opportunity for them in sustainability where they may not have recognized it before. And it became this thing that is suddenly a bit more tackleable and digestible rather than just I got to think, worry about everything in every dimension for every business and every input. And it's, that's not what it is, but we talk about it in such a way that makes it overwhelming. And I think the circle, we all started to come to that. And that was really cool. And if you had to take a guess, what was maybe the thing that sort of put on the light bulbs? Uh, oh, this is my ego, maybe selfish. I hope that my intro helped um, because that I walked into my project thinking I knew what sustainability was and that I could make a simple one-page tool to help designers make every sustainable thing or everything sustainable. And then I realized, no, I had some humble pie and realized you got you to process it as it relates to you. And I hope that my story sharing helped them. 
but certainly I think the conversation too, in all candidness, I don't quite remember specific details, but I think that just like anything with the circle, people shared and opened up and we, we started bouncing ideas off each other and kind of saw that commonality, I think. Bobby, um, let's, uh, we mentioned already uh, quite a few opportunities and also some roadblocks, but if you had to highlight uh, a few common roadblocks to uh, moving forward uh, with this topic, um, what would be some things that, uh, that come to your mind first? Like what are the common roadblocks? Well, I think I've already gone through uh, some of those roadblocks over the past 20 years, to be honest with you. Uh, roadblocks is like if you start integrating it or bringing it up, uh, you can find yourself out of a job. You can find yourself uh, out of a, a class. Uh, you can find yourself <laughs> changing careers because you keep trying to force this in a world or a business or an organization or a situation that's not necessarily, um, it's not a priority or, you know, it's just not in alignment with the conversation that they want to have. Right. So I think that I can already tell you, I've already gone through the, some of the roadblocks from my past. Um, and where I'm standing right now is I have an awareness to it and a sensitivity to it. And I think that's why, um, I do want to surface this again to see if there is a, if there's just a more impactful way of moving forward. So roadblocks are going to exist. Roadblocks, even in your current job or your current day to day, it's just like, you know, how do I squeeze this in? Like we mentioned, is it like just yet another thing we have to add um, on our plate as we're thinking about, you know, what are human wants, needs, challenges, barriers. Now we're bringing the environment into this. Like, it's just, it's a lot. If you kind of just flip the switch a little bit and just kind of think about this as, you know, try to be simple, uh, try to, you know, just be simple awareness. Like we had mentioned, um, surfacing the topic. I am so happy to see that, like we surfaced the topic and I could see a lot of change just happen within that, you know, the session. Yeah, creating awareness, getting the conversation going, uh, and uh, there are there are a lot of smart people out there. Like they don't need a lot of guidance and help. They just need to uh, get this on the agenda, and they will be able to connect it with uh, their day to day. Um, Hayden, I'm curious from your um, perspective and maybe your research that you've done uh, in your thesis. What have you seen uh, are maybe some of the elements that help to accelerate adoption and um, uh, help people to embrace this topic? Yeah, just to note, I um, Bobby wasn't wrong. I, one memorable feedback I got was someone was literally laughed out of a room when they brought this up. Uh, so it, th th that's a very real pressure. Um, and someone wrote, it's also frustrating. This topic makes me bitter because schools and organizations say it's all up to you, but we get no support. There are a lot of designers who keep taking it on and they keep saying, you're the future. And it's like the tail wagging the dog. Um, so I think, you know, the way that the point being, when you reframe it, when you like storytell, like Bobby mentioned, when you co-create and work with people and empathize and understand what they care about, start to understand what the organizational imperatives might be and where there may be opportunities to make a better difference for the environment. Um, these are all, these are all good things. Um, and as well to these points around how, how do you start moving it? You know, fortunately, there are a lot of pretty watertight 
rationales for wanting to take this on. Um, like I mentioned, uh, you know, uh, waste waste is food, as Cradle to Cradle says. But that also means that, you know, that's a huge opportunity if that becomes food for you. That waste may be cut off from a, a injection molding, then folds back in, and you save a huge volume of your plastic input because you're not having to import as many virgin pellets or um, you're you're leaking water. I heard a great story about this guy. I can't remember his name, unfortunately, a Coca Cola who went around and saved, uh, I think hundreds, that, well, I really want to give a number, but I'm bad with numbers, so I won't. But let's just say it was an obscene amount of water globally just by paying attention to what they were wasting uh, because of leaks and stuff. So like, there's so many ways you can do that. There are market benefits around differentiation and demand um, and vulnerability too. I'll stop there for a second, just because I think I knew that going in, like I read it and stuff, but I think we've all gotten a first row seat at what it means to have a supply chain disrupted. And therefore I hope there will be more, people will just get why having local production is more important because there are all these industrial ecology benefits, but there's also a lot of bad, bad stuff that can come from that and unpredictability. And these are all things that, that predictability part that businesses don't particularly like. So if you can help, help them help the on-ramp be one that is predictable, safe, um, there's just a lot of benefits there, but it's, again, it's about speaking their language, not saying you should, you should care because, you know, the, the, whatever is going to, the, some butterfly is going to die or, you know, sorry, that's maybe a silly example, but you know, th these are sort of the, the, the tit for tat arguments that happen in this space. And I, I think there's certainly a common language that we, we can find as service designers when we, when we try to push these conversations. What I uh, find interesting, uh, uh, hearing your examples is, um, and I get it, it's quite easy to sort of focus on very tangible artifacts on products and sort of put sustainability and uh, circularity in a product-oriented mindset. Um, mm -hmm. Hayden, what would you say to people who sort of are thinking like, yeah, but I'm in, in a service business, like how does this apply to me? Well, I don't know if this is what you mean, but actually one of the final conclusions I had that as an industrial designer, I couldn't build on was that companies should move to as a service offerings because there's so many opportunities there. And this was a, this was a cutting edge in the literature at that time. And then lo and behold, NCR is converting to as a service right now. There are great opportunities for both more intention around what we make, how we service it, longevity, take back, uh, thinking about, you know, cloud hosting and all the opportunities for energy savings there. And the, and the, just, it's so cool. And um, I think if you're designing a service, you actually are even in a better spot than if you're just designing the touch point. You may not have control over the end or the beginning of it or even the use as much. You're just making something that gets consumed. And then um, unfortunately, all that good intention may not stick. But if you think more holistically about the full journey and the, the ecosystem, you can really have an impact there. And that was very clear um, from, from some of the stuff I read as well. Bavi, anything to add to this? Yeah, no, just like Hayden said, I, as I was looking at examples of, you know, maybe manufacturing companies um, and how they're, you know, tackling this whole circular economy, it was just neat to see some European companies like, you know, washing machine uh, company and how they're leasing the product out uh, as a service. And 
not only just for profit, but also just being responsible and accountable of what they're putting out into the world, you know, getting it, like if they already know in like eight years, it's going to lose its value. They can, you know, take it in, reuse some parts, get it back up to value. Like, I just think service is a really good, like the business models, the service models, it's, it's, it's going to be a really interesting conversation when it comes to, you know, maybe the less obvious uh, solutions when it comes to manufacturing, when it comes to products and stuff. So yeah, there, I feel like there's just a lot of inspiration when it comes to service design in the space. Uh, I, I can give one example and maybe uh, uh, people already noticed, but I find it quite interesting. Um, I'm for the last, I don't know, maybe five or even longer years, I've been uh, buying the same uh, brand of jeans. Um, and one of the reasons is that they offer free repairs for life. Uh, and if you don't want to uh, get them repaired, you can uh, trade them in uh, or you sort of get a, a money back uh, kind of thing. And I was thinking, yeah, that isn't a product uh, innovation. Like that is a service innovation. And um, I, I've been trying, uh, I've been thinking about using other brands, but uh, for the last five years, I've I've stuck with them, and I think this is one of the reasons. So, uh, yeah, it, it, there's definitely a business uh, aspect to this. I think not to cut you off, Mark, but I think that's what excites me about service design in the space. I was even thinking about like I don't know Nordstroms and how you know if you wear something, you could still return it. So it's that service. Even though Nordstrom's is like a retail shop, you know, you go in to buy shoes or whatever, like it's really innovating in that service space that just really excites me about this space. And if I may, the clothing is one of the most impactful industries across the globe. So the more you can think about that, the better. And you're, I don't know the answer, Bobby or Mark, but you're making me remember about all the waste in the returns process. If you could capture part of that in some way, somehow, all of that all of those resources and perhaps the money that's slipping through your fingers could be better captured, but it, you, you gotta, you gotta think about it and address it. Um, but anyway, yeah, that I, I kind of want those jeans too now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll send you some links. Uh, all right. Uh, let's sort of try to wrap up, uh, this episode. Um, Bavi, you sort of initiated this topic. So I'm also going to start with this question. Uh, this question with you is, uh, what do you hope that this will be in, let's say, three years? How do you hope the service design community, the service design field will have evolved uh, in three years around specifically this topic? I hope that we evolve from like, wait a minute, what are like, what would we do in this space? This is all about waste and tangible things and manufacturing. I hope that like that sense of like, are we in the wrong party? Like, why, why, why are we trying to get invited to this? the space because it, it just makes no sense for us because we're service designers and you know etc cetera, etc cetera. i hope we move from <laughs> not being invited to speak or have a voice in this space to being pretty stoked at how much we can uh evolve the conversation and innovate really innovate in this space uh yeah i, I just hope that you know we move from should we be part of this conversation to really being pretty big players in this space to help um something as something tangible turn it into something that's a little bit more sustainable with our lens and in our skill sets 
Awesome. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Uh, no. Hayden, uh, what is your hope for the next three years? I hope that we stop saying sustainable design and it just is design. And that it, like, I, I, I'm thinking from the industrial design lens a little bit because this is where my mind was. But, you know, as important as form or material or usability or hierarchy is sustainability. And you just integrate it. It's just integrated. And it's not it's not an or it's an and it's a compliment. Um, and that, like Bobby said, that, that and that to note, too, like I spoke with American designers. So there was a unique kind of businessy flavor to my master's project for that reason. But um, uh, the uh, everyone here in the United States said, frame it as innovation. It is innovation. So, Bobby, I just want to commend what you said there, too. Like that is that is how it is. And I think that would be another great outcome is that it is it is thought of that way. When we, when regular lay people think about innovation, maybe there's a tinge of green in their in their mind's eye, uh, and also in terms of the good stories that we tell, I really hope too that we have a lot of nourishing inputs as designers to inspire us, to keep us going, and to see what the opportunities are. Because I think, as we know from the circle, stories are so important um, for for motivating, for inspiring, for for learning, and I I trust that we'll have those, and I can't wait to hear them. Yeah, I, I think they are already out there. We just need to offer them a stage and a shine a light on yeah. them. Uh, and what you mentioned about that it stops being uh, sustainable design and becomes design. I think, again, I'm sort of starting to uh, see more and more the power of using the term good design, like good service mm. design. And um, that should include aspects uh, like that. So, um, yeah. Final, uh, no, two questions and then we'll really wrap up. Uh, Bobby, what is the one thing you hope people will remember after listening to this conversation? Um, I hope that they just remembered that, you know, this is an absolutely inclusive conversation. Um, and I hope that if anybody's just, you know, inspired by it, um, that they're able to understand how to do something about it, you know, like whether it's just kind of talk about it, bring it up. Um, you know, I just hope that we have design maturity models that we use in organizations. I hope that there is, you know, we can, we can take a look at like what an eco maturity model is or a sustainable model, like integrate this conversation into, um, you know, into our day-to-day -day in the work that we do, but just for starters, simple, um, if you are inspired, this is an absolutely inclusive conversation. Um, and these are these are some some ways on how you can get started and make change. So uh, if it's inclusive and people would like to continue this conversation with you, uh, is there a way to reach out? Yeah, absolutely. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm not going to pass out my cell number, or my WhatsApp number, but you know, I think LinkedIn's a pretty pretty easy way to connect. Awesome. I'll make sure to add your LinkedIn profile in the show notes. Uh, Hayden, also the question to you, if people remember one thing walking away from this uh, conversation, what do, you, what do you hope it is? I think I, yeah, what Bobby said is my big, big one, which is that sustain anyone can, can uh, interpret sustainability as it relates to their organization, their, um, their goals, their organization. It's not, it's not a, it's not impossible, but you just kind of got to, you know, dig a little bit. Um, and I'm sorry, Mark, you said one, but I, I got to say a second detail. 
you don't sweat the numbers. That was also something I heard loud and clear. People get very, some, you either, you have some people who just get so fixated on being perfect and measuring everything. Like that's like involving a, a super analytic person and brainstorming. Like maybe that person, we can save them for prioritization. Uh, but in this case, yeah, I just want to also say, please just focus on action and getting momentum. The details can be worked out later and they are important. They are very important. But I heard loud and clear that, that that can be a suffocating force in these conversations. Uh, create momentum. Hayden, uh, I can imagine that some people might be interested uh, to learning more about your master thesis. Uh, reaching out to you on LinkedIn, is that, the, is that the best way or? Yeah, or you can call me at 8675309. Yeah, my LinkedIn would be the perfect one. Um, and yeah, my name is bizarrely spelled H-E-Y-D-N. Uh, but hopefully, yeah, we'll uh, we'll get it in the link in the show notes. And I probably should post about it now. Finally. You should. Uh, I think that well, would be helpful. Well, yeah, eating your own dog food as in uh, we're sh we need more stories. So we definitely need your story as well. And uh, this uh, conversation contributes to that for sure. Um, that's, I guess, all we have time for today. Uh, thank you, Bobby, for uh, bringing this topic into the Circle community. Thank you for Hayden for... Uh, sort of jumping on board and uh, bringing in your knowledge. Uh, it was awesome to have you on the show, uh, Bavi and Hayden. And Mark, thank you for creating space for us. This was, uh, it really helped uh, continue with the momentum. So really appreciate you just giving us some space and uh, yeah, just the space to kind of hear our voices. So appreciate it. I really hope that you enjoyed this conversation and that it got you thinking about how you can include sustainability in your design practice. As a final note, I quickly want to remind you that if you want to get all the ins and outs of the things we discuss in the Circle sessions and not just get the summary on this podcast, consider joining us. You'll meet other passionate professionals who also want to learn and grow just like you. There is an application process to become a member of this community. So if you'd like to know if you qualify, head over to servicedesignshow.com slash circle for all the details. And you'll also find the link in the show notes of this episode. My name is Mark Fontaine and I want to thank you for being part of this community. Keep making a positive impact. Now I'll catch you very soon in a brand new episode of The Service Design Show. See you then.